0: NBA Strayer. How are you going? How, you going? How are you? Are you well? I hope so. This is NBA Australia. It's Friday, 2 F M I, am I right? Fucking Friday. It's a very much it Friday show today. It's June 10. It's gonna be May. Uh, today's show, very quick, very brief. We'll smash through a bit of a preview. That's all we're gonna do. I'm your host, James Clements. You know, hanging out. I'm a writer. I'm in a freezing cold Larry Armour Studios, I forgot to put the heater on again, oh god. Anyway, we're going to talk about NBA Finals Game 4 today, quick preview show, we've got the five big things, uh, King Jimmy's best bets, aka my final pick and preview for Game 4, along with a whole bunch of listener and, uh, I don't know, social media follower, <laughs> yeah nas. along with an unpopular opinion today and Outback Takeouts, and that's it, so we're in and out today, I love this. I've also got to pack up a bunch of crap uh, because we're going to go fang down the beach for the long weekend here in Victoria. (laughs) Great weather for (laughs) it. Amazing. It's raining right now. Anyway, uh, we'll finish up the cooking with Bainsy Classic as well. I think we'll uh, have a uh, really good long weekend one for you. So get into that. And uh, let's go. Episode 832 of NBA Australia. Let's go. This is Joe Ingalls, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack. Oh, you better watch out for the attack of the uh, the dirty language if you're the parents of a child at an NBA finals game because, ah, oh, won't somebody please think of the children? When uh, we're hearing folks chant, fuck you, Draymond. <laughs> Americans never cease to just 100% blow me away with the uh, hand wringing about language. Like, you try dropping a C bomb in America, and we'll see how far that gets you. I loved it. Living there six years, you just drop a C bomb just every so often just to see the response. <laughs> I'd have American mates that'd always drop their fucking drink when you dropped a C bomb. And you're, uh, you know, you call them a drop a C on them, and they're just like, what did you just call me? And it's like, well, it's a demon if a demon. I love you. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's good stuff. Anyway, let's get right into today's show the way we start every show here at NBA Australia with the daily whip around. That's right. Uh, before we get into the sooking about language, uh, Steph! Reckons he's all good to go. So his injury where he got rolled on, uh, fallen on, hurt his ankle a little bit. Uh, the optimism is he didn't need an MRI. He reckons he's okay to go. So away we go for game four. All right. Sound good? Good. Thing is, Steph did come out and say today, I know exactly what it is who hurt the same ankle uh, on the same play back in, uh, what was it, March against Boston, sat out for six, a few weeks. Um, He also added, I guess there's comfort knowing I've been through it before, but also you'd rather not have to deal with something like that at this point of the season. So it sounds like it's like a lesser version of what put, put him out for a few weeks there. And I don't know about you, but that's, you know, to bounce back within two days and play on it. Sure, get a bit of a shot, feel good at it, get it all strapped, away we go, but yeesh. But... The reports were he was barely limping, so when he walked into the uh, media stuff today, walking into TD Garden, so, look, I reckon he'd be all good to go. Just wonder how good, you know? Right. What about Clay? Oh, stay classy, Boston. Stay classy. Okay, Clay. Okay. Uh, So Clay was out there saying, um, we played in front of rude fans before, dropping F-bombs with children in the crowd. Really classy. Good job, Boston. I mean, Sure. Yeah, they're chanting at Draymond. But really, complaining about the chance from Boston fans. I mean, this is also, uh, you know, a team who, what, in the Western Conference Finals were throwing shit at Charles Barkley. (laughs) (laughs) Charles Barkley's just fucking tweaking your nose and your fans are throwing shit at him. All right, cool. I also remember, I don't know, the Warriors lady... Uh, during the finals against the Cavs. Hey, LeBron, how does it feel to be a pussy-ass bitch? <laughs> and then that dude goes, hey, lady. <laughs> hey, watch your mouth, lady. I love that. Uh, and also Draymond in the same, the Celtics actually pointed this out. Uh, Draymond was asked after game three how he thought he played, and he said, oh, "I played like shit. His kid is sitting literally right next to him, so I don't know, man. I can talk about this later, but... I could give less of a fuck about people swearing. Also, I'm Australian, so we have uh, very different vibes on this. But with all that in mind, let's go through to the big game preview for game four of the NBA Finals. With the NBA Finals, NBA Australia, game four preview. Game four. Preview for the NBA Finals, 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 Finals. All right, you excited? Let's go, game four. It's going to be a Saturday morning here in Australia. Tell you what, going to be drinking some boozers while I'm watching this. So five big things. We've uh, sort of alternated between three and five big things uh, throughout these final series with each of the previews. Uh, I want to go five today just because I feel like game three threw up some pretty interesting questions. Uh, I thought the way the Celtics won with the defense, with the rebounding, uh, the playmaking of Tatum, the way Brown went off his head early, just putting them uh, essentially well ahead early on and enough ahead that they could withstand the uh, inevitable Warriors' third quarter. Like, it felt very much like the perfect blueprint for a Celtics win, whereas the Warriors couldn't really hang on quite enough because their defense just wasn't quite as good. And when you're getting out-rebounded to that degree, uh, it makes it pretty hard to clamber back into a game, right? So, um, from one hand, it sort of looks like that's the perfect Celtics game they've just played. They win. They go up 2-1. Can they replicate it, though? So let's get to the five big things. Can the Celtics actually replicate it <laughs> and win consecutive games that aren't elimination games like they were against the Bucks, Or absolutely weird games, like games four and five in the middle of that Heat series, where you'll remember Miami and Boston basically just traded massive blowouts, it felt like, for you know a couple of weeks until game seven. Um, where... It was literally just like a massive run here and there would just dictate the outcome of each of those games. So they haven't lost back to back all playoffs, we know about the Celtics, but they haven't also really strung together too many fucking wins back to back. So can they do it? And the recipe there in game three was role players play well enough around the edges. Brown goes ham early on. Tatum just keeps attacking. And that was the clear sort of, the clear and present danger if you're the Warriors. Boston were the much more attacking team. They were in the paint. They doubled the amount of paints they, uh, paint, paint points they had. There you go. I finally got there. And that's the recipe that Boston have. Layups, defense, that'll win you games, especially in the NBA Finals. So can they replicate it? And really, the role players have had their good game at home. And it's really easy and contrite to always, oh, well, role players always play better at home. The role players tend to help you get over the hump at least in one to two games in your home home games in a series, right? The other ones really just sort of depend on your stars, really pushing you over the top. And you saw in Game 3, Grant Williams hitting some shots, Horford doing some good stuff, uh, Derek White. Uh, that big and one that he had to sort of resettle the ship in the fourth quarter was pretty big. They sort of showed up at big moments, and then, obviously, Smart dropping 24, crushing it. Can the Celtics replicate that? Can they? Or are they going to have to go for a different sort of route? You know? Is it going to have to be the massive Tatum game and everyone just does enough around him? I think that's where it ends up. But anyway, uh, number two, do the refs clamp down on Draymond and his fuckery early? So we've got a bunch of yeah, about this because uh, I feel like they uh, the refs set a bit of a tone of fuck you, Draymond, I just don't care in game three. And Draymond didn't get away with as much shit as he usually would, but he still got enough away with enough shit. Like, he pretty much could be called for, you know, 10 to 12 fouls per game. He eventually fouls out after that really dumb shove of Marcus Smart. He's like, I just need to fucking shove someone. It's like, all right, Draymond, yes. Your IQ, your basketball IQ is off their charts. Um, I push him and then stares down a ref. Just amazing work. Um, But since then. Since Game Three's finished, we've also now all seen the clip of him essentially clotheslining and, like, mugging Jason Tatum at the free-throw line. And we've all heard the stories about how Courtney did the ref, did not tee Draymond up after he fouled, off, uh, fouled out while Draymond was going off his fucking head at him for, like, two minutes and staring him down. Like, those sorts of stories and that sort of, uh, those antics... That's the sort of shit that the next set of refs just love to fuck with and just go, right, we saw what you did. We're not going to let you do that to us. So I'd expect Draymond to get a very early tech, like the settle down, settle the fuck down Draymond tech. But the thing is, how does Draymond respond to that, right? The fuckery, it works great when you're at home. When you're on the road, you've got 18,000 fucking lunatic Boston fans screaming, fuck you, Draymond, at you. How does he respond to two days of fuck you, Draymond, after three days of Draymond punch the Celtics in the dick and uh, kick their ass in game two? Because he's just so important to the form and function of that Golden State offense, right? That when he's off, it can be that simple that that's one of the reasons they lose games, right? He's the straw that stirs the drink. I got it right this time. There we go. And uh, they need him. They need his weird sort of little dribble handoffs, the probing... The sort of little back cuts, the behind the backs, just the little paint drop-offs. They need that. They need that engine from Draymond. And how he responds is going to be a huge question for me. Number three is the obvious one. How injured and hurt is Steph? Is he injured or is he hurt? (laughs) You can play through being hurt, I think. I don't know if you can play through being injured. Um, Like, can he get me 50? Or are Boston just going to push and prod and see how sore that ankle really is? Because, like, I had this... uh, vibe of... Alright, so he's hit five plus threes so far in each of the games these finals. Can he keep it up? Well, it's never happened before in the finals, but it's wildly possible for Steph to do it, because ah, <laughs> oh, well, it's just not likely that he can have more than five threes in a game again, but it's Steph! He's done it a million times! Like, the amount of times that he's had, like, uh, streaks of three... or um, Well... Basically, above three games of five plus threes. He's done that 18 times. 18 times in his career. He's had streaks of five plus three games that are four games, five games, never a six game. A seven-game streak, an eight-game streak in 2021 at the end of last season. Which also came in like an absolute wild purple patch uh, for Steph where he was hitting fucking everything. And in 2019, he had a nine-game streak of five plus three. So... If there's anybody who can keep up a streak like that, it's him. But the problem is, the wider problem is, the Warriors need him to hit 5 3s every game for them to even have a fucking hope of a chance, right, at this point. And that's part of a wider problem. But if Steph can go, and he's feeling it, and if there's anyone that we trust to just go out on an injury and still fucking drop 49 in a finals game and shoot a shit ton of threes and nail them at Steph. The way Boston have defended him, they've given him just that little bit more space. Now that they've got a little bit of blood in the water, though, with this ankle injury, you do wonder if they just stick a body even closer to him when it comes to the uh, pick and rolls, and whether or not with that ankle injury, the Warriors can use him in so many pick and rolls like they did in Game 3. What was it like 39? Which is pretty high. So one of those things where... Okay, cool. Can you use him as your lead ball handler? Can you use him as, like, your main weapon? Because that leads us to question number three. Can the real Jordan Poole please stand up, or is this it? Pool, Like, give him a fucking 15-point lead, and he looks like Kobe. If you're down eight, he looks like fucking Smush Parker. Like, and that's the Warriors' offense needs that other ball-handling shot creator to keep things ticking over when it's not Steph, Clay, or Wigo scoring, right? Like... Poole is the guy who fills in the gaps, kicks in. He's 100% like, oh, you're in a fight. The other dude's already on the ground. Now I'm going to kick him. Like, that's Jordan Poole. Can he be the dude that lands a punch? You know? And that's the big question for Poole. On the road, with everybody against him, you know, we saw flashes, plenty of flashes in game two, Just a couple of minutes there in uh, game three where it's like, oh, he might... Oh, no. And uh, he's out. (laughs) He's lost it. And obviously Steve Kerr doesn't trust him on defense to uh, ride through those offensive mistakes. So they really need him to stand up and uh, give them that sort of option, especially with Steph possibly hobbled. Uh, Number four, how do the Warriors adjust to combat the rebounding advantage the Celtics had in game three? This is huge, isn't it? Like if you get out-rebounded by, what, 16? That's a lot. Because it speaks to another wider problem because I think the Celtics getting so many chances to get going, that's death because when the Celtics are limited and it's like a one and out possession, they start missing, they never get another chance. They so quickly and so often turn into the old Celtics that it's actually kind of hilarious. But if you let them have one, two, three bites at the cherry and then they get into a bit of a rhythm and they get confident then that's where they fuck you. Because a confident Boston is a hard-as-fuck Boston to beat, right? Because suddenly they're playing downhill. you got Marcus Smart up and about, causing absolute havoc. Brown and Tatum, when they've got a full head of steam, it feels like they're just going to the bucket time after time after time. But if you're limiting possessions and limiting offensive possessions for the Celtics by actually, you know, defensive rebounding, then... All of those, like, subsequent possessions where Tatum's, like, at the elbow, dribbling around, trying to figure out what he's going to do. Oh, I'll just settle for this step back. That's a win for Golden State, right? So that all stems from rebounding. Do they move Draymond off Jalen Brown back close to the basket and play him on t- Horford or Time Lord? Or do they play more Looney? Do they play Looney and Draymond more together again? Do they get more Otto? I like to get blood to Porter. Do they get him more involved? Because he is a... Like, just on the down low, Otto Porter is an absolute fucking bored machine when you let him at it. So, there's a couple of options that Steve Kerr has. The problem is, like, when you go, right, we'll play more j and Looney, it's like, okay, now our spacing is fucked because Draymond and his backpack shot. No one gives a shit about that. Looney, same sort of vibe, obviously. So, Steve Kerr's got a couple of options, but they all kind of feel a bit scrappy. And then sort of the big one... And this is where I kind of feel like game four lands for me. These defenses have been so good so far in the finals. Top two defenses throughout the season. Do we see an absolute I'm a fucking superstar game from Tatum or from Steph? Because it's been threatening, right? Time after time, especially for Tatum, and he's played well. But similar to Steph, Steph's had these incredible explosions of time, but we haven't got the absolute balls out, get the fuck out of my way, dominating game from start to finish from either of them. And it feels like, Game four is 100% set up to be like one of them has 47 and that team wins. And it's like just one of those classic where you go, oh shit, the entire series hinges on that performance almost, right? And like you'd expect with defenses this good that stars will be held in check a little bit and they have been. But really, like if someone goes ballistic in game four, whether it be Steph, Tatum, to a lesser degree, Jalen Brown or uh, your man Klay Thompson. If one of those, whoever goes ballistic, like their team, it's probably going to dictate who wins, right? Like, as I mentioned, role players at home, we get that, but the Celtics role players have already had a pretty great game in game three. Game four is when you need, like, Tatum just go, let's put the fucking boot on their throat, not let them get up. Let's get up 3-1. He's 47 of the best. My shoulder's a little bit sore. Look, look how many times I've got to roll it and grimace it. As I've mentioned before, he looks like me after bowling my two overs at pub cricket. Oh, jeez, me fucking shoulder. But he's not an old, fat, ginger dipshit. <laughs> like yours truly. So, I don't know, man. Um, so, really, it does come down to, is that the sort of game that we can get? The defenses are so good that it's going to make that performance stand out that much more. And, like, Steph has threatened so much already so far throughout this series, but he just hasn't quite had that over-the-top, holy shit kind of moment. I mean, apart from, like, you know what, game one, the first quarter where he just goes absolutely ballistic, but they lose that game in the end anyway, right? So it's about, like, keeping that performance going and taking it all the way to the end. So here's a bonus, big thing. Can the Celtics just once, just once, limit the third quarter damage? (laughs) Because it's chaos, that it's. I don't think we're focused enough on how each time they're getting fucking smoked in the third quarter. It's like, oh, well, the third quarter, worry, is Jimmy there to thing? It's like, yeah. But, I mean, the Celtics know that as well. What are we doing here? Either way, look, I think to set up the uh, picks and everything after year, nah, the defense of the Celtics absolutely choked out Golden State in Game 3. The offense was perfectly goosed by Jalen Brown going ham early on. Uh, because, as I said, right, like a confident Boston is a super fucking dangerous Boston adjustments will come from Golden State. It feels like the Warriors have less adjustments to make because all season, all playoffs long, has been, oh, they're so deep. It's amazing how deep this team is. But now we're seeing the depth is awesome in the regular season. But if your depth plays like shit in the playoffs and you can't play them, it doesn't really matter. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I expect that Golden State defense to be a little bit more clued in. For Steph and Clay to both get cooking, Poole to be better, Draymond to be better. And if they can just limit the Celtics' chances with that rebounding... And I think we get a close one. So I think we're going Warriors plus three and a half. um, And we'll have King Jimmy's best picks and everything after uh, the year. Which we'll do right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kadee. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington. Or, commonly known as though and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And You're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. Dickhead of the Week! Ah, yeah, a bit of Dickhead of the Week. I always love Ticket of the Week. I just want to throw this in before we get into year Uh Draymond, the carry-on. I love it. My favorite part was Mark Spears came out today. He's like, Draymond Green believes he's winning the mental game with fans. I'm in their head, red free. To be honest, doesn't most of Draymond's career at this point just feel like content for his podcast? Right? So, like, oh, well, you see, this is the insider. Look, yeah, but you're playing like shit. I don't know. Less time with your uh, road Procaster or whatever fucking thing you're using there, Draymond, and more time fucking putting out some shots. Just saying. But the uh, the carry-on is amazing. I did enjoy his wife. Uh, tough loss tonight, but in no way, shape, or form should fans be allowed to chant obscenities at players. <laughs> Are they not human? She asks. Is someone standing at your job saying off the wall sings to you? Well... I'm not also getting paid thirty million bucks. You know, is someone standing at your job saying off the wall things the NBA has the audacity to have a whole code of contact card at every seat about fans and their behavior and how they could be ejected from a game or banned. But a whole crowd, slash section, slash numerous people get to chant, fuck you, Draymond, or call him a B or MF, and nothing? Like that's okay. Warriors fans would never my kids were at the game tonight hearing that mess. Very disgusting of you little Celtics fans. Just shameful. Oh, that's going to be a good lead into uh, unpopular opinion of the day. But this is like dickhead, like family dickhead of the week. Like the entire green clan. <laughs> like How dare they swear in front of my kids? Smash cut to Draymond in the press conference after the game, going, Yeah, played like shit! And his kid sitting right next to him. What's it about uh, glass houses and stones? <laughs> All right. Sick. Let's do some ENRs. All right, they're brought to you with the NBA Australia Shop. Remember, go get your merch, get your merch. F-ball. Get your merch, get your merch. Wear it. Get your merch, get your merch. Get merch, get merch. And help a brother out because he's going to clean out that fucking room with all the building and shit. So if you buy a T-shirt, it means one less thing I have to pack away. <laughs> so go check it out, shop. Click on the links to the socials. Just buy a T-shirt or hoodie. Come on. All right, we've got a bunch of yeah, nahs from listeners and uh, from Facey as well. So Matty Owers, I really enjoyed this one. It's the same as I am Matty S. I am Matty S on Twitter. Uh, Matty Owers says, yeah, nah, Warriors to go down 3-1 and come back and create history. <laughs> I love it. Because I am Matty S says, yeah, nah. Steph doesn't need a finals MVP to cement his legacy. He wants a finals comeback from 1 3 down to erase that bad memory. Hashtag Warriors and 7. Yeah, nah. Yeah. I absolutely love this concept. Especially like the Steph legacy talk. Because like if there's one way to wipe away the stain of blowing a 3 1 lead in the finals, it's pulling your own 3 1 down comeback! Now I'm saying 3 1 all the time. I just want to do this. Yeah! 3 11. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I just haven't played that drop in too long. It's been breaking my fucking heart. Anyway, uh, but this shooting for Steph, like where he's hit five threes in the last three games straight, like how long could he keep that up? Do we get a massive game four, game five? Can they come back? Can they even this up? Do they get 3-1 down and come all the way back? Like, that is 100% legacy shit for Steph because obviously if they do pull off a 3-1 down comeback, he'll win finals MVP as well, unless, like, Clay averages 45 the rest of the way. Um, But then if that happens, there's literally nothing you can rag on Steph about. He'll have four rings he'll have a, at least evened up the 3-1 down uh, rhetoric. And that would be fucking hilarious. So Matty O's and Matty S nailed it. Love that one. Brad McEgan. Yeah, nah. Steph is going to give it the old get on my back and drop 60 tomorrow. Yeah, nah. Oh, Nah, yeah. Does that make sense? I don't know if he can get to 60 like just with this Celtics defense. And it's weird because I think Steph has played pretty well against this Boston team even though the Celtics have played the Warriors really, really tightly over the last bunch of years. Steph has always had a bit of a shot at going off, like he had a 49, a 47. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if he gives me a, gives it all the old, uh, I hurt my leg, fuck yous game, and goes hammer and tongs. But as I said, this shooting, like the 5 plus 3s, can he? If there's anyone who can hit 5 plus 3s in four straight finals games, it's Steph Curry. But I do think we get a big Steph game. I think it's just the, oh, you don't realize how tough Steph is. No, we all realize it. He's a three-time champion just because he looks like he's attached a bunch of pubes to his chin with that horrible beard. Like, it doesn't mean that we don't think the dude's fucking tough as. So I think Steph will give it the old get on my back game. I just wonder if Tatum's get on my back game is going to be bigger. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's a good one by Brad. Mick Ah, oh, I love a bit of Mick Musley Yeah, nah. If the series goes seven, Draymond accumulates the most fouls by a player ever in a final series. Yeah, nah. Oh. It's going to be real. If it goes seven, he could give it a real shake. So the record is 37 fouls in a uh, final series. That was Arnie Reeson in uh, 57. Uh, 36 in 1957 as well by Jack McMahon. But literally the only time that like someone in the modern era has gotten pretty close like Dennis Rodman had 33 fouls in 1988 but like the basically the closest uh, in the last what 20 plus years has been Kenyon Martin in 2003 at yeah, 29 and Sheed of course it was Sheed it was always going to be Sheed he had 30 so, in 2005 as well, right? So, so 31st sheet in 2005, 2003, Kenyon Martin at 29. Think about that. Draymond's already at 15 after three games. <laughs> That's five a game! If he keeps it, that clip, it's amazing. He'd get there. Uh, seven games, five or six a game. He'd have to go seven. If he keeps it at five a game, he'd get to 35. He'd just be short of the record. So... He'd have to get to 22 more, so that's 5 or 6. He'd have to hit 6 twice at least, as well as the 5. So if it goes 7, I 100% think he could give that record a bit of a fucking shake. (laughs) Because he's setting himself up for uh, being called for fouls, isn't he? Like, if you just sort of slip under the radar as Draymond, I think the rest would be like, all right, he's just giving us a fucking bit of a break. But the way he's carrying on like a pork chop at the moment, is like, fuck this guy. I'm going to call him for a foul to shut him up. So, yeah, I reckon he could give it a good good shake. That was a great one by Mick. I love that. 37. That's a lot of fouls for a seven-game series. (laughs) Holy shit, isn't it? Unbelievable. So that was uh, in the finals. You had... Wow. Celtics win over the Hawks 4-3. So... Checks out. Just checks out. And Arnie horizon on the uh, St. Louis Hawks. No. Arnie recent He was on the fucking Celtics. What am I talking about? There you go. Oh, Jimmy, you don't remember the 1957 series, man? No. Uh, <laughs> Brett Paul True to form, the inconsistent Celtics turn up tomorrow and give Golden State a chance to win. Yeah, nah. Yeah, I think this is where I'm landing on this one. Like, the Celtics... And that's why I saw the the first big thing was, like, can the Celtics and that offense replicate what they did? And the blueprint was just so perfect. Win the rebounding battle. Get easy buckets. Their defense was so good that... And I think this is the thing that I haven't really hit on so much about with Steph is that the way he's playing, there's been so few of those easy layups that he sort of just accumulates, right? Where you sort of turn around, he's cutting through, and he's like suddenly all behind the defense and like the balls up and in. It feels like only once or twice like in a game that he's sort of pulling those sorts of weird shots off and like the degree of difficulty on them is just absolutely fucking chaos. so yeah I feel like the inconsistent Celtics like the inconsistency is just probably one of the most defining aspects of this team. They've been so solid, but I mean the Warriors, that was probably their easily their worst game in the series. And they're still down two one. So, I think they got a they got a good chance. Rye Float. yeah. Nah, Boston fans gonna be polite and respectful and not chant "fuck you, Draymond." Yeah. Nah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Boston fans will be very polite and respectful after being called out for chanting "fuck you, Draymond." Yeah. Nah. Nah. That's it's gonna get hectic, I reckon, tomorrow. Uh, Hayden Davies Dowley. Yeah. Nah. If Draymond finally gets ejected. Bonus points. He doesn't take it well. Yeah, nah. Ew. I, think, I think there's a good chance he does get ejected in this one if it doesn't go the Warriors' way. As I said, I think there's an early tech to settle him the fuck down. I think the refs will, you know, the new crew that comes in after uh, Game 3 comes in, sees how uh, Game Three's crew got worked by Draymond, even though he did foul out. Uh, I think they throwing early tech on him early just to calm him down and it sort of comes down to whether or not he gets into another silly fracas late. And yeah, if he does, he will not take it well, but we'll get great podcast content out of it. Uh, Jason Carter. Yeah. Nah, Draymond is going to chuck an absolute wobbly and probably end up knifing Jalen Brown and at least two officials, maybe five. Yeah. Nah. Was it the last boy scout where the guy, <laughs> the football player shoots the other guy. Jesus. Um, Draymond chucking a wobbly. I think you'll see him on his best behavior. I think after the fuck you Draymond stuff and how badly he played in Game Three, I think you see a much more measured Draymond. But he just he'll burst out of his skin at some point, and that's where the tech will come from. And then finally, Scotty Baxter, what a legend! This is such a good one. It's so simple and so easy. Yeah, nah. Golden State need a Bogut. Yeah, nah. Yes, they 100% do. They do need, like, that just one big dude. Like, there's just a hulking fucking mountain of a man to come in off the bench and grab some boards. They do. That's exactly what they need. It'd also be handy if they had someone else, like, uh, that isn't Kevin Looney who could sort of really quarterback that defense like Bogut used to do. Anyway, the uh, opinion of the day. Now, look at me, please. Look at me. 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 I'm fine with the fuck you, Draymond Chance. I mean, A, Australian. B, Seriously, who's offended? Really, who's offended? Like, the Celtics fans are like, fuck you, Draymond. He's like, yeah, because he's been acting like a fucking dickhead all series. And they're like, yeah, fuck you, Draymond. That seems fair. And like, who's offended? Oh, well, there's parents there with their kids. Oh, there's parents there with their kids at an NBA finals game, which tipped off at fucking 9.15 p.m. Eastern. Like, I feel like those parents have bigger, worse fucking ticks against their names than letting their kids hear fucking Fuck You, Draymond Chance. (laughs) Like, holy shit. Like, I took this squid to the pub last night to get a feed and see a gig. Like, you know, see one band early on, and he's three. And he's, like, rocking out to Akadaka before the show, bit of ammo and the Sniffers. He loved it. Um, And, you know, there's some swears in some of their songs, and I'm like, yeah, it's fine. He's all right. Stress out. It's like I'm not going to walk up to the mix and go, Oh, could you play some wiggles? Can you play some kid friendly music? Can you play some radio edits? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. I still remember Tuffnells a wanker chance at the Great Southern Stand in like 1995, I think that was. Um, AKA the greatest year for Australian one day cricket ever when uh, Australia was so good, Australia played Australia in the final. Remember that? Australia versus Australia, Ray? Eh? Fuck, that was great. But anyway, the Tuffnells a wanker chance. I love those. Remember we go, What's your wanker? It's like, well, I knew. I was fucking old enough to, uh, you know, be using that pretty regularly, like, rang, you know, rang, ragging on mates, (laughs) and boom, off you go. But also, I mean, just teach your kids that swearing isn't fucking horrible, but not to do it. It's not that hard. All right, quickly out back to our couch. It's Friday at our back, and you know what that means? Oh yeah, 441 TGI, fuck it, Friday, Foster's Oil Drum cans full of icy cold Foster's lager. That's right, it's horse piss, I mean beer. And it's in a can. So drink it, you yank dickheads. I mean no prick in Australia drinks this shit, but we'll flog it off to you and call it Australian for beer, so off you go. Only at our back. And today's flame grill take is. Draymond is carrying on like a pork chop to distract everyone from how shallow the light-years-ahead Warriors team really is. With him talking shit, no one's like, Hey, where the fuck is Damien Lee? Hey, did the Warriors waste the number two pick on James Weissman? And where the fuck are Cumbucket and Mooses Moody 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 Mooses? Only at Outback. I do feel like Draymond actually carrying on so bad He's putting a bit of a light on himself, taking one for the team. It's not great, though, because he's also playing like shit. (laughs) So it's a bit of a tough one. All right, uh, let's take a quick break. Be back with the uh, final pick and preview and like Jimmy's best bets, and then we'll get the fuck out of here. Right after all this. This is Matthew Delvedover, and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, let's do it. So we're at 500 so far for the entire playoffs. Jimmy's best bet. So my pick in the end for tomorrow is I think the Warriors step up that defense a little bit. The rebounding gets a little bit better, and they just limit the Celtics' chances, and the Celtics offensively just don't have quite enough to really blow out the Warriors. And the Warriors either win or lose close enough that they cover the 3.5 points. Back-to-back games, and I'm picking the road Warriors. A bit worrying, but at the same time, I'm picking against the home Celtics, which makes me feel okay. But plus three and a half for the Warriors, I'll take that. The under is 214 and a half, which feels like it feels pretty fair. 214. So you're sort of hoping for that 197 kind of game, which feels fair. Uh, but I've talked about like the superstar game. So a couple of the Jimmy's best bets are right about that, right? So Steph... Uh, To score six plus points every quarter is $4.25. I like that a lot. Any player to have 40 plus points. I love this one. $4.40. So, because as good as the defenses have been, there's got to be a Clay, a Steph, a Tatum, or a Brown game, I think, in here that gets over 40. So I really like that one. Uh, Steph and Clay to have 70 plus of the uh, points, rebounds, assists combined. If you think that somebody, if you think one of them is going to get to 40, then the points, rebounds, assists combined to get over to 70. That's at $2, so kind of like that one. Uh, Wiggins over points, 18.5, not bad. Steph over 28.5. Tatum over 27.5. So there's your superstar ride, right? Like Steph or the Tatum over. And on the download, Grant Williams over 6.5 points. He's playing at home. That's like Grant Williams hitting a three and hitting two weird junk buckets for Grant Williams. Feels pretty easy, so I like that one a lot. Uh, the Looney over 8.5 rebounds. Draymond over 6.5 rebounds. And in terms of, like, assists, I think we get a big Draymond game. I think there's a bit, well, not so much a big Draymond game, but a Draymond game that isn't disastrous. So he, to get six plus assists, he's $1.77. So I kind of like that one as well. Um, Yeah, so go check those out. I kind of like those the most. And there's also First Bucket, which is always a uh, head scratcher. Nearly nailed it in game three. Looney layup is 26-1. to Clay layup is 34 because they key in so much on Steph from the outset that I think uh, if Golden State win the tip, it's a Looney or a Clay one. Clay dunk is 101 to 1. Clay three is 14 to 1. And if the Celtics win the tip, I'd be going for a Jalen Brown dunk to bring down the house. You know what I'm saying? Nice. And there you go. Unbelievable. What is going to happen in game four? I think we've covered a lot of bases there. And I think the Warriors cover the three and a half. And I think we get a belter of a game absolutely belted woo either way I'll be drinking and then uh, doing a rap show tomorrow on a Saturday don't say I oh, don't work my ass off for you guys so either way we'll be back tomorrow on a Saturday we'll do a quick rap show I think and uh, yeah might have a guest we'll see how we go probably not might, oh, if I can just rope in a mate of mine who's going to be uh, down the beach with us then we'll see how we go but either way uh, make sure you're following NBA Throw on Twitter face IG's always love a good post game show so that'll be fun tomorrow NFL Australia with myself and Gaz. World Wrestling Australia with Adam. That's over on YouTube. Straya.com slash shop. Get your merch. Get your merch. Chuck us a rating review on your podcast app. Download the Noble app. Bang in the code Straya, and Get 20% off from Oslo. Thanks to those dudes for the intro and outro song. They rule. Also, Joshua De La gold Goldmines, Ramshackle Army, Iowa, Sex Jedi, Green, 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 and Dozers. They're behind all the 2 here throughout NBA Australia. So smash them. Bandcamp, Triple J and Earth, Facey. Apple Music, Spotify, however you listen and follow your bands, etc. NBA Australia Sports Train bands, so should you. All right, we'll close out with a classic cooking with Bainsey, and we'll catch you for a Saturday show tomorrow after Game 4 of the NBA Finals. Cannot wait! This is NBA Australia saying, have a great weekend, talk to you tomorrow, and let us in now! Cooking with Bainsey is filmed in front of a socially distanced live studio audience. And now it's time for Cooking with Bainesy with your host, Aaron Bangers get <laughs> G'day. G'day, yeah, (laughs) oh look at you all there, all nice and separated, oh I love having a live audience back, this is bloody great isn't it, oh there's Cheryl, hello Cheryl, look at you, oh too happy to be here, oh that's bloody great, anyway yes, welcome back to Cooking with Bainsey, I'm your host Aaron Bangers Bainsey, Uh, just recuperating from fall and stuff and everything, but still out here chefing for you, and that's what we're here for in this here episode. I've been learning some new cooking techniques and this one is an absolute bloody ripper. I'll tell you what, because today we are going to whip up one of my absolute favourites. It is an absolute delicacy no matter where you go in the world. You can have whenever. That iconic classic. It's good for brekkie lunch, dinner, midnight snack. That's right. It's steak. That's right. Bloody steak. That's right. I love me steaks. I'll tell you what. And you can follow along with my cooking method because it's easy as, mate. And it definitely helps keep up this physique, if you know what I mean. Protein, baby! There you go. So, it is bloody simple, isn't it? All you gotta do is go down to your butcher. His name's probably Vasily. Ask him to go, look, Vasily, give me two bloody steaks. And you go, what? What type of steak? And he's like, doesn't matter. Just whatever tickles your fancy Vasily. None of that wag you bullshit nonsense. Just give me two good looking steaks. Two good Bloody steaks. Now, make sure you've got a barbie. Some oil and some salt and pepper. And that's it. Fire up your barbie. Get it nice and hot. There you go. Hey, there you go. A yeah, bit of oil. bit of oil. Yeah. Then season your steaks ever so lightly with a bit of salt and pepper. Just a bit of a pinch. There you go. And then grab your steak. Bang it on. Now, don't fucking touch it. None is. Leave it alone. Don't fucking fiddle with it. Just sit back. Grab a tin, and three and a half minutes later, flip that fucker over. There you go. Oop, there you go. Hey. Now, leave it alone again. Don't fucking touch it. You heard me. You fuck, don't touch it. Simple as three and a half more minutes, and look at that. There you bloody go. Look at this one. Oh, oh, oh. oh can't wait to get stuck. Oh, but you can't. you got to let it rest for five minutes. Let it sit there. Let it hang out. And that'll be perfectly medium if you want it. You can go rare if you want. You can go hardcore if you want. But either way, that, my friends, is Bob's, your fucking uncle, isn't it? Look at it. It's an absolute ripper of a brekkie lunch or dinner. Fucking good old steak. Ah, oh, it's just bloody delicious. Oh, and look, I'm just going to get stuck with this one now. I eh? will. <laughs> that will dead shit and pressure shield. Don't you worry about that. Oh, if you know how to cook a steak... You're a long way ahead in life. That's all I know. And if you want to get fancy, have some veggies with it if you want. I love a bit of potato salad. Whip that up. I think we've done one before. So go check that out. It's fucking unreal. All right. How easy was that? Get stuck into it. Do it at home yourselves on your own barbie. You'll bloody love it. Learn how to cook a steak. And everybody will bloody respect you. All right. Tune in to NBA Australia next time for a new recipe. And we'll see you then on the next episode of Cooking with... Bye,